0: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, we were going to be watching a video right now about numbers, but we're not going to because... Chris, you just preached my sermon. So I don't think we need to do the video. Um, you know, we're, we're doing this Old Testament series, and... Um, we're journeying through like the people did in the stories that we're reading, right? It's our story. These are our origins and it's our journey too. And the book of Numbers is the story of God's people journeying to the promised land. So this land has been a promise for them for a lot of years and we're gonna talk about the origins of that in a second. Um, But I wanted to talk, so I'm just going to summarize the numbers video. I feel a bit loud. Am I loud? No? Okay. There's reverb. Oh, that always makes me sound better, so stick with that. Um, So, let's see if I can summarize it really quickly without... The video is fantastic, by the way. Those Bible Project videos are so good. Maybe Kurt will show this one next week. the people of Israel ended up in Egypt because God took them there, right? There was a famine in the land and God took Joseph there and brought his people in and provided them for them. But God never told them to stay. Sometimes when God provides for us, we set up camp and we never move, don't we? So 400 years pass and a Pharaoh comes into power who did not know Joseph and did not care about the story. And he saw all of these Israelites being abundant because God's blessing was on them. And he thought, I better enslave those people quick or they will take over. Um, And it looks like some of the pyramids and all the things that we see may have been built by the slaves who were God's people. It's crazy, right? But it was hard, it was horrible there. They had to build bricks with barely any supplies. It's hot. I've never been. Who's been to Egypt? My gosh. I... Hot. And they're doing manual labour. The the conditions were terrible, despite what we're going to read in a second. (laughs) Because they conveniently forgot how bad it was. I also do that. Um, Anyway. So anyway, God hears their cries in a perfect time. He uses Moses to bring them out. Okay, we're fast-tracking the story that we've been studying for the past few months, okay? So the people come out of Egypt and they head directly to, no stops, immediately there, the promised land, right? No, no. That, no, God could have done that. We've talked about that before. He could have literally picked them up and put them in the promised land. He did that with other people, immediately transported them. So it's not like he can't do that, right? No, he had them journey through wilderness. And this is where our story mimics this story, right? We also were saved out of slavery to a mindset like Egypt. And we're being led through the desert, which is our... Getting to know God, being set free, process. So then when we get to this promised land, we can take it. We're ready. We're equipped, right? But I don't like the wilderness. I don't even like camping. I've talked about that. So, but here's what happened. This is what we're going to talk about today. They get to the point where God says, let's go scout out the land and you can take it. And what happens is the people don't believe it. I don't want to be like Israel, I don't want to go through a couple of years of wilderness training and then not believe him. And then they wandered in the wilderness for 38 more years. I don't want that to be my path and I'm really glad they went through it so I can read about it and not do it, right? It would be great. We've been learning about trusting and obeying the Lord for a couple of months. August and September, and right? Haven't we? We've been studying this and, and, you know, that's like eight weeks now, so we should be good at this by now. We should be perfect at it, and yet I am not. How are you doing? <laughs> not so good. I got locked out of my house and my car this morning. Josh had to drive back 25 minutes down to our house. Adam texted me, if you lived in Bellevue. Thanks for rubbing it in. Where is my friend Adam? Anyway. Um, so I stood outside. <laughs> in the glorious sunshine. And I thought, I would like to complain about this right now. But I'm preaching on not complaining, so I will not complain. (laughs) Anyway, I don't wanna be like Israel. So, um, our youngest kiddo, um, Zeke, when he was, I think, between one and two, to be honest with you, I really don't have many memories from when my kids were little because you, you have no sleep when you have little kids. And so I'm like, Something happened, they're alive now, they must have been small. But I do have this memory of... So there was this kind of phase in Zeke's life where um, he was so smitten with Josh, like just loves his dad. And he would like watch Josh at all times, right? And like a little shadow. And if Josh made any kind of a move, like reach for his keys, open the coat closet, make any kind of move, this little, tiny kid would book it go run, 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 pick up his little shoes and hold them up and go, me go too? Me go too? Me go too? Like he wants to go too. And when I think about the kind of person I wanna be in the kingdom of God, I wanna be like that. I wanna be where God says, go and scout out the land and there are giants there, we're gonna read about that, that I pick up my little shoes and go, let's go, I don't care. So today we're asking, is there anything holding me back from trusting God? It's exactly what Christy just talked about. That's what we're talking about today. That sound okay? All right. Um, Carrie Turner's praying. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so excited. Love you. You know what to do. Pray for our church. Pray for another church.
1: Uh, God, Jesus, we just pray to you that today you would speak to us and that we open our hearts, minds, souls to hear from you, God. Um, That you would speak through Justine um, so that we would learn to trust you and take your word for what it is and get excited and want to go with you, God, on whatever adventure you take us on. Uh, God, I pray to you for Colbert Chapel in Spokane. Um, and that they would hear your word today, God, as well. And that all churches around the world, God, would hear your word and open their hearts to trust you and follow in whatever you would have them do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Okay. <clears throat> now I'm kind of wishing that I'd played that video. <laughs> Should I play it right now? Okay, let's play it. Guys, can we play it? I'm gonna play it until a certain point and then I'm gonna say, no, let's just play the whole thing, go for it. (laughs)
2: The book of Numbers gets overlooked, partly
1: because it has a really boring name. Which is a shame. In the Hebrew tradition, the book's name is Bamidbar, which means in the wilderness. And it's an epic travelogue about Israel's journey through the desert on their way to the land promised to Abraham. Now, this pilgrimage should only take about two weeks on foot. But instead, it takes them about 40 years.
2: That's crazy. It's practically half of someone's lifetime. Yeah,
1: it's a very long camping trip with lots of interesting stories, but... Let's remember, it's most helpful to back up and start with how this book is designed. Right. So the book is broken up into five sections. There are three wilderness locations broken up by two road trips that link all the pieces together. The first wilderness section is Mount Sinai, right here on the map. And then in the second section, they travel to a region called Paran. A whole bunch of things happen here in the wilderness of Paran. And then in this fourth section is Israel's road trip to Moab. The book ends
2: with a large section in the wilderness of Moab, right across the Jordan River from the Promised Land.
1: Now... Through all of these sections, the storyline just flows like a gripping, dramatic movie. Everything starts great, but then the trip goes horribly wrong, and it all ends with the final redemptive moment, the surprising act of God's grace.
2: So, let's jump into the story. It all begins at the wilderness of Mount Sinai, and we've become really familiar with this mountain.
1: Yeah, if you remember, Israel came here after Egypt, and they formed a covenant with God here, got the Ten Commandments here, built the tabernacle here, and they've been at this mountain for one full year. And
2: now they take a census to number the people as they prepare to
1: leave. Right, and they're given these instructions for how to organize all those people in the camp. God's presence in the tabernacle, and then the tribe of Levi and the priests around it, and then the rest of the tribes around them. And this pattern, it's this visual symbol for how God's holiness is at the center of their existence as a people. And they're told that when the cloud of God's presence moves, they're to pack up and travel with it. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant is carried by the Levites out in front, and then the tribe of Judah, and on and on. And this order is also a symbol for how God's holy presence is their leader and guide through the wilderness. We begin
2: the second section of the book with enthusiasm as they leave Mount Sinai and travel up to Paran.
1: God's with them. Everything's organized. This is going to be great. But it's not great. After just three days on the road, the people are complaining about their hunger and thirst. And then even Moses' brother and sister start badmouthing him in front of all the people. Not a
2: great start. But now we're into the third section, the wilderness of Paran. This is where they send the 12 spies to scout out the Promised Land. Two of those spies come back and they're really optimistic.
1: But the other ten are freaked out and they don't trust God and they go around saying, we're going to get annihilated in there. And so they start a mutiny and they try to appoint a new leader who's going to take all the people back to Egypt. And so basically they are refusing to go into the Promised Land and God honors their choice. He says that this generation is going to wander for 40 years and die in the wilderness and only their kids will get to enter the promised land.
2: You know, this story here gets brought up many times in the Bible by different authors.
1: Yeah, and it always serves as a reminder that while God remains faithful to his people and his promises, he will honor their choices. He'll he'll let them waste their whole lives if they choose to live in rebellion. Okay, so the trip's been a disaster so far. And it gets worse here in this fourth section as they're traveling to Moab. Even Moses has a moment of rebellion and is disqualified from entering the promised land. Then there's another rebellion among the people. It results in this snake attack. And what makes all these rebellions even worse is that every step of the way, God has been providing. He's been offering forgiveness. He's been giving them food and water and this crazy stuff called manna. Yeah, what is that stuff? Yeah, no no idea. But in spite of all this, they keep complaining. And they say that they wish they had died in slavery in Egypt. If I was God, I would just give up on these guys. You would think. But that's what makes this story in the final section so surprising. Israel has just arrived in Moab. And the king of Moab, he's freaked out that this huge group of people is traveling through his land. So he hires this pagan sorcerer named Balaam to pronounce curses on them. This guy means business. Yeah, and so Balaam, he says, OK, I'm going to pray to the Hebrew God and let's see what happens. And three different times, he attempts to curse them. But each time he finds that he can utter only blessing. Most surprising is the last blessing where he prophesies that out of Israel will rise a victorious king. And this king is somehow going to be connected to God's promise to Abraham to bless all nations through this family. So here's Israel rebelling down in the camp, totally unaware that up in the hills, God is protecting and even blessing them.
2: The book ends here in Moab. Israel's getting ready to go into the promised land. They count up everyone again, just like at the beginning. They're leaving the old generation behind,
1: including Moses. But before they leave Moses, he gives them his last words of warning and wisdom. And that speech is what the next book, Deuteronomy, is all about.
0: Those videos are amazing, <laughs> so good. And do you see how that totally fits with what Christy was saying? When we have God's perspective, it changes everything. Um, so, you know, Numbers is this wilderness journey to get to the promised land, so let's talk about what the promised land is, all right? Um, this is where the original promise came from. So just remember that um, God had a great idea and it was you and it was me and it was us, right? And he made this place to house us and to have a relationship with him. And then we were like, eh, we don't need you. And that's our history. (laughs) started with Adam and Eve, then the time of Noah. And then there was just an era of time where people worshipped whatever they could conjure up in their minds. They had gods of rivers, gods of trees, gods of the sun, gods of the night. They had gods, 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 gods. They just, because, you guys, inside of us is a desire to worship the one who created us. And so we keep trying to find something to worship. It's just in us. We can't escape it, right? And then there was this guy, Abram, later called Abraham, who instead of being focused in on trying to find solutions he was looking out saying i want to know whoever made this i want to know whoever made me right and god responded yahweh said to abram go out from your land your relatives and your father's house to the land i will show you i will make you into a great nation i will bless you i will make your name great and you will be a blessing this is god having a relationship with a human isn't that cool It's amazing, and then the promise gets repeated with Abram's son um, and then his grandson, so you'll see that same kind of thing repeated for Isaac and Jacob, and then it's repeated for Moses and the Hebrews. I am Yahweh, I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am Yahweh. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. P.S. there are people already living in it. That's what all those ites are at the bottom. So you can see that this has been a very long-awaited promise. Kind of like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> did you ever dream, at, this is random, I may get in trouble for this, but did you ever dream as a kid that you belonged to a different family? Is it just me? Anyone else? You're like, I think one day they're going to come and say, you're actually a princess, you're actually royalty, and you own a country, and there's a palace for you. Anyone else? Was it just <laughs> a few? Excellent. I just always thought maybe there's some like windfall of money waiting out there for me. Um, That's what they had. They're like, there's this property. It's a family property. There's other people living in it, but that doesn't matter because one day this family property is totally going to be mine, right? Do you sense that? Okay. So so the land was a literal place, but it's also a symbol. Okay. Was there anything special about the land? Did it like hum? Did rocks float? Do you know what I mean? Was it a portal from heaven, that land? Was it the only place God's presence was? Tell me, was there something special? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, it was fertile and it was strategic. I mean, it put them in a very influential place at the time. But God didn't live there. Okay, do you know what I'm saying? But it's a symbol for rest and abundance and provision and all the things that we kind of dream of, right? I would love to be independently wealthy and not have to work. I would work because I like it. (laughs) Anyone else gonna feel that way? Everybody? We're just calling it, Zach says, everyone. And we are looking forward to the day when we have that, and that is what eternity with God is gonna be, right? But that land wasn't, I don't know, do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like more special, than anywhere else necessarily. However, it sounds pretty good. It's flowing with milk and honey. Okay, so here's the story so far. Um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, we, we were with them when we melted down earrings and made a god. You guys remember that? It's the week we talked about branches. Was that the week we talked about branches down? Roots down, <laughs> branches up. Um, and so we're picking up right after that. Um, Uh, I just wanna catch us up a little bit on this. Remember, God asked them, do you wanna be my kids? And they were like, remember they said all together, yes, we will obey everything you say. So just keep that in mind as we walk forward. Because this is not like God tricked them. Hey, I'm gonna be your God, it's gonna be super cool. Wait a minute, you're not doing what I'm saying? Well, now I'm mad. That, do you know I mean? this is not what happened. Right from the front, he was like, I am the creator of everything. If you wanna be my kids, then you're gonna have to live different from how you've been living in Egypt, because I am holy. Holy means separate, different, right? And you have to be holy too, so you're gonna be different. And here's how you're gonna be different. Don't have other gods, don't make idols, don't bow down to them. Okay, cool, let's melt our earrings down and make some idols and bow down to them immediately. So that's what we talked about two weeks ago, okay? Yahweh spoke to Moses, this is after, after that whole fiasco because there was punishment after that, including some people got killed. Because you can't just make idols and bow down to them when you said you wanted to worship God, right? Yahweh spoke to Moses, go leave here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. So they've been at Mount Sinai for that year, right? And so finally God's like, it's time to move. This is exciting. Strike camp. Is that right? Did I say strike camp? Is that a thing? Okay, is that like a camping term, babe? Hear me, I'm being cool. Um, So we're gonna go to the land I promised. I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, all the people, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, we've gotta keep remembering what that means, abundance. Milk means cows or almonds, either way. Um, Definitely cows and honey, what does that mean? There were flowers there. You know, this is symbolic of like the best place, right? Um, But, I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. As a parent of small children, I have felt that way sometimes. Get in the car. Get your shoes on (laughs) and your socks. Socks are negotiable, Zach, I don't care. Just get your shoes on so we can go. But do you sense God is not happy and I'm not gonna journey with you anymore because I'm feeling on edge about you. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. You guys, this made me laugh so hard. Hey, I just I don't feel like wearing earrings today, do you? <laughs> I mean, ever since we melted some down and made a guard some people died. I just I don't know. I don't feel like wearing jewelry anymore. Is this funny to you? It's so funny. And then look, they remain stripped of their jewelry forever onward. I could just see them in the morning getting dressed. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like <laughs> it cracks me up. Okay. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished from this, by this from all other people on the face of the earth. Yahweh answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses called in a favor. I know you're mad but we can't go without you. Yahweh passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, I am the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. This is a display of knowing who God is, right? I will go with you, but do you know why I will go with you? Because I am loving and merciful, but don't mistake me. Sin has consequences. You worship other things, that gets poured out on your children and your children's children and your children's children's children, right? This is like a do not mess with me statement. Because we treat God as common, don't we, sometimes? He won't mind. It's just a little golden calf. It's not like a major one. He won't mind, you know what I'm saying? And we don't get it. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. And he said, oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. Look, I am making a covenant. I will perform wonders in the presence of all your people that have never been done in the earth or any nation. All the people you live among will see Yahweh's work for what I am doing with you is awe-inspiring. This is how good God is. He comes back and says, not only will I forgive you, but I'm gonna do awe-inspiring things in your life and through you. Observe what I command you today. I'm going to drive out before you all the people that live in the land. Be careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land that you are going to, otherwise they will become a snare among you. Spoiler alert. They do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're back on track. The people are willing to trust and obey and off we go without their jewelry. <laughs> All right, so fast forward, we're halfway through numbers, right? So we've gone through that first travel, did you like how they called it a road trip? Don't you, those videos hilarious. So we did our first road trip, we're in the middle and God's saying let's send out some scouts, okay? Yahweh spoke to Moses, send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I'm giving to the people of Israel. Send one man um, from each ancestral tribe, each one a tried and true leader in the tribe. Are these just random guys? Like favored, uh, respected, balanced people, right? Okay. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. This is the best, okay? Okay. <laughs> So guys, see what the land is like. Because you guys, there's no Google Maps back then. They didn't know. They'd been in Egypt for 400 years. They had no idea. They didn't know what was coming. This is kind of cute, right? Moses is like, take some notes from me. I'm super excited to know. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. I don't know that God asked him to do that. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Is there really milk and honey? Because you know, manna is getting old. Do their towns have walls? Or are they unprotected like open camps? How easy is this gonna be? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples. Don't you love going to Costco when there's samples? Like, do your best to bring back samples. (laughs) And it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. Oh, man, this is exciting. So they went up and explored the land. They cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. That's a big cluster of grapes. I know, like, sometimes in drawings, it's like these very large grapes that you're like, but that's not how it was. It would have been... (laughs) Just think, a cluster of grapes, right? A bush of grapes, (laughs) is that what you said? (laughs) I don't know if that's the... It did look like a bush, you're right. Um, Look, if you've been living in the wilderness a long time, doesn't grapes sound good? So good. All right, they also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. God's not a liar. It really is those things. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and the Amalekites live in the Negev, and all the people, and all the people. There's a lot of people. Here's our report. But Caleb tried to quiet the people. So why would he have to quiet the people? What was happening? Freaking out? So, yeah, we saw the land that God promised us, and there is milk and honey, and the grapes are impressive. We get it. However, there are giants, and it's fortified, and here are all the people and where they are. You got it in your mind? And the people were like, what? (laughs) We thought God was gonna drive those people out. Didn't he promise that? Didn't he promise he would drive them out? Shouldn't it be vacant? Shouldn't the houses be all set up kind of like a prize home? Like the furniture's already in, but no one's living in it. Do you know what I mean? Shouldn't you just walk into the promised land and the fridges are stocked? You know what I mean? Shouldn't there be like, do you get it in your mind what they were hoping for and what they saw? And they're losing their minds. Caleb, This guy, let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour. (laughs) We're just like now exaggerating for, effect, do you know what I mean? Now the land is gonna eat you up, you know? Anyone who goes to live there, not even anyone who goes to battle, this is a no-go zone, people. This is off, we're not doing this, we're out. All the people we saw were huge, no longer just that one group of big guys. Now everybody's giant. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too because apparently we talked to them and found out what they thought of us and they told us that we looked like grasshoppers. I mean, let's just blow it out of proportion. I understand this. I do this all the time, don't you? This is bad, this is so bad that X, Y, Z, I'm just going all the way. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. <laughs> Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is Yahweh taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and babies will be carried off as plunder. We're getting super dramatic. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Yes, that is a fantastic idea. Let's go back to our slavery. Making bricks wasn't so bad, right? Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land and if Yahweh is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a land, a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against Yahweh. That's what's happening right now. God said, I'm gonna give you the land and I'm gonna give you the tools to take it and it's gonna be fine and I'm gonna be with you. And they're like, no. It's not just fear, it's rebellion. (sighs) And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless, pray to us, they have no protection, but Yahweh is with us, don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb, let's shut those guys up, let's just kill them. Then the glorious presence of Yahweh appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle, and Yahweh said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. And then I'll make you into a greater nation, a greater and mightier nation than they are. I'm transferring it. I changed my mind. Not the descendants of Abraham, just the descendants of Moses. But Moses objected. You kind of really love Moses, don't you? If you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, Yahweh was not able to bring them into the land he swore to give them, so he killed them in the wilderness. That is chutzpah right there. That. Please prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, reminder God, you are the one who said, that Yahweh is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children, right? I'm reminding you, God, word for word, this is what you said, this is who you said you are. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. Keep being good, God. Keep being good. Yahweh responded, I have pardoned them as you requested, yet as surely as I live, as the whole earth is filled with Yahweh's glory, none of the men who have seen my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tested me these ten times and did not obey me will ever see the land I swore to give their fathers. None of those who have despised me will see it. But since my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has followed me completely, I will bring him into the land where he has gone and his descendants will inherit it. The story goes on. It's the end of Numbers. It's actually next week's soap. Keeps rolling through Numbers for anyone that's doing the soap readings. But pull out Numbers and read the end. It gets much worse. Because after this, God says, so turn around. You're not going into the land. And do you know what they say then? oh, just kidding, we're totally ready to go into the land, and in fact, we're gonna go into the land, and they do. And is God with them? No. It just gets worse and worse. It's very entertaining because I feel they're my people. But let's go back to this. Caleb has a different spirit and has followed me completely. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Two million of God's people said yes to God. Two million-ish. I don't know the actual number, but that's a lot of people, even if it was like one and a half million. They all together said yes to God, right? And then they fought him every day. You're not good. We're hungry, we're thirsty. Remember there were cucumbers in Egypt? We should go back there. This God is no good. Let's make our own God. Let's melt down earrings. Like on and on and on and on. It's crazy town, and I do it all the time. And then this guy, Caleb, he's different. And so my question is, how the heck did he end up different? How's that possible? Have you ever hung out with negative people? And doesn't it rub off on you? I tend to be glass half full, just, I mean glass half empty. There's, o- there's only half a glass of water is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm negative by personality, right babe? I tend to swing into the doldrums very fast. And in order to counter that, do you know what I do? I hang out with positive people as often as my, I, I can. My bestest friends are the ones who make me laugh. Anyone else do that? Do you like counter your personality by choosing people to hang out with that, yeah? Or, I mean, if you like to be sad, then you hang out with your sad people, but that's a whole other day. (laughs) So was Caleb like just kind of born happy? Because you know those people, they're like, everything's great. I'm super positive. Use your faith words. It's gonna be awesome. Do you know those people? I like them. They annoy me sometimes, but you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like The positive people, positivity. It's good, everything's good, the sunny side of the street, the bright side of life. Do you know what I'm saying? Was Caleb that guy? How do you know? How do we know? What's going on with Caleb? Well, actually, it's pretty prescriptive. It says it right there. Caleb has a different spirit. What does the rest say? Completely obeyed God. So actually, he wasn't just Mr. Positivity. He didn't just like randomly come out with a happy attitude when everyone else were just complaining, whining people. He's a covenant person. This guy is actually in a relationship with God. He said yes. I will obey everything you say with everyone else. And then he did it. He was like, all right, God says not to do that. I won't do that. And God says to do that, I'm gonna do that. And he just completely obeyed God. How cool is that? So there's two things that were going on that we're gonna focus on today. Um, Because Caleb was a man of faith. That's what we're talking about. He was a man of faith and the people were not people of faith. That's basically what it comes down to. And so now I'm like, well, what's the secret sauce of Caleb? What can we glean from his life? Because even just on a level of my negativity, I would like to not be as negative as I tend to be. So I would like to learn from that. And also, um, if he was able to completely obey God, I would like to know how. (laughs) Because I struggle with that, anyone else? We're like, I obey God mostly and as often as I can, (laughs) right? So what's going on with Caleb? There were two things that I felt like the Lord pointed out, and so here it is. One is what they saw, and and two is what they loved. So first, what they saw. And I'm not talking about the giants. I'm talking about before that in the wilderness, Because I think the Israelites Israelites saw pain, suffering, lack, no love, I think they saw God as negligent. I think they saw God as mean-spirited. Do you know what I'm saying? I think they saw God as bad. Because any time they hit something in the desert, this is what Kurt was talking about last week, any time they hit something in the desert, they're like, we're dying of thirst. We should go back to Egypt. Like, any chance they can, they're going back to Egypt. Like, every second of every day. It's like me when I'm camping. There's a bed waiting for me at home. I could just drive there right now. You know, any chance they can, instead of saying, so... Yahweh, you led us out into the wilderness and we're feeling thirsty. Humans need water to live. Do you have a plan? Where should we walk next? Where's your provision? Could you guide us? We're ready. We're listening. Because you know we're thirsty and you're a good God, so you must have a plan for us. Well, no, that wasn't them, was it? They're <laughs> so thirsty. They're just, yeah. The truth is what the wilderness is And let's just like tattoo it into our brains if we can. The wilderness is discipleship. Discipline is discipleship. So when God is in our lives correcting things, pointing out things that aren't quite right, and I'm like, aren't I good enough, God? Can't you love me as I am? (laughs) He's wanting to heal me and move me forward and not keep me stuck in those old things, right? But I'm like, oh, God doesn't care for me because now I'm having pain again. The Israelites were being trained up to become the most powerful people on the planet. They needed that training. Like an elite athlete wants the best coach they can find, right? the best trainer in the world. And they're okay if that trainer says, run another lap, 10 more reps, stop eating that thing, right? Stop going out with your friends, get a good night's sleep. And that elite athlete says, heck yes, I will do all the things because I am reaching for a goal and I'm not gonna get distracted and I'm okay, my friends are going out, that's fine, I'm going to bed because, I'm in training because I'm becoming something powerful. And so the Israelites saw the pain and what they were lacking and all the sad things and I really believe Caleb was like, I'm in. Train me more, God. Bring it. (laughs) I wanna learn the lessons. And the reason why I say that is because everyone else saw the giants and lost their minds and Caleb was like, let's go. This is not the first time he's obeyed a hard thing. Right, this is not his first rodeo with the Lord. He's ready. I'm not worried, let's do it, he says, let's go. I've followed Yahweh before, he's always come through, I've seen the miracles and I've been prepared and now I'm ready, let's do it. Cool, right? Uh, Being disciplined by the Lord is an honor. It's a privilege, it's a gift. Oh man, it doesn't feel that way, does it? (laughs) A few years ago, I was singing with a group, and one of the guys that was playing uh, in the band um, pulled me aside afterwards, and he goes, Hey, you're a bit flat. Um, and I was like, Oh, like the worst thing as a singer is whether you're flat or sharp, because it's very hard to fix. Sometimes you just got out of the wrong side of bed. That's just how your voice is. Whereas with a guitar, you can get out your tuner and like tune it, Right? Your voice is very hard to fix. And I felt really hurt by this guy saying it to me and I was like, thanks, I don't know what to do. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. You know I am talking to you, right? Because I know you can be better. If I thought you couldn't improve, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. That's God with us. He doesn't point out what's wrong with you just for kicks. (laughs) He's sharpening you because you can be better. You can be whole. You can be set free. You don't have to keep being addicted to what you're addicted right now, right? Thank the Lord. He's calling us out. He's making us better. So we have to see truth. Let's see wilderness and discipline as a gift. My child, don't make light of Yahweh's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For Yahweh disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as a child, and as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? Well, we have, haven't we? And we know what happens. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. So if you are not feeling God pressing against you, asking you to grow and change, you may actually want to wonder whether you're walking with him at all. We should constantly feel pressure to change. It's actually evidence of his love. Oh, I don't like this sermon. I don't like it at all. for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No, discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, word. We agree, right? Yes, but afterward, there will be a peaceful peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Doesn't that describe Caleb? A peaceful harvest of right living. He is trained. He sees giants and he's like, that's cool. He's not naive. He's not just positive. He has peace. And he's ready to just walk into it. So friends, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. This is your call today, guys. Feeling a bit weak and not sure how to walk forward with the Lord, it's time to take up strength again. Say yes to Him again. If you're feeling that, He's pointing out some things in you that might need to change. It's an honor. (laughs) It's a beautiful gift. It's because of love. P.S. When people point out things in you that need to change, it's typically because they're annoyed by you, right? I just wonder if the Father would like you to change this way and this way, (laughs) because I don't like that about you. (laughs) We have to be so careful when we talk to each other about the things that need to change, don't we? You had better have a word from the Holy Spirit before you point out somebody else's sin because you have a log in your eye and they have a speck in theirs, right? Jesus is clear about this. But when the Father comes and you're feeling pressure and pressure, and he's gonna use people to point stuff out. I'm not saying he doesn't. But when you feel it over and over and you're like, this is a theme in my life. Yeah, I'm seeing it. I see you, God. I see you at work. And I say, yes, I'm in. I don't like the pain, but I'll do it. All right, so that was the first thing. Um, Second thing is what they loved. Okay. This is a quick one. What did Israel love? What did they love? Cucumbers. They loved cucumbers so much. Comfort. Oh, they loved comfort. That's why they're my people. They're my people. I love comfort. What else did they love? That land, didn't they love that land? The promise that was given to our forefathers, can you imagine what it would be like? It's not like this wilderness at all, Mm-mm. It's gonna be so good. You guys, there's gonna be a mansion with my name on it. The fridge is gonna be full, right? This dream they had, <laughs> so exciting. Because the land is what I hope in. And the land is my future. And the land is my identity. And the land is my everything. And so when I finally get the report that it's not a place I can just walk into easily, I am offended by this. Because my dream is not coming true. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you read a book and then you watch the movie and you're like, that movie did a bad job of that book. That's what just happened to them, because they have been dreaming, dreaming as they're trudging through the wilderness. Oh, that land. They loved the land more than they loved God. They just did. They loved it. They loved his promises more than the one who made the things. They loved things. I'm really seeing in Caleb's life that he actually just loved God. I actually wonder if Caleb cared about the land much at all in that moment. Because I think he was like that two-year-old with his shoes up. I go too, where are we going? Oh, it's the land, cool, let's do it. Like, no biggie. Oh, it's not the land, that's okay. We'll just, you know what I mean? He just was in love with God. And I think he became in love with God by following his ways, roots down, branches up, and he was totally cool with whatever God wanted to do, because his love was in Yahweh. Yahweh had become his promised land. Because remember, they already had the presence of God in the wilderness with them. Like I said, that land wasn't how they would meet God. They'd already met God. That land isn't how they would have provision. They already had miracle food. Miracles upon miracles upon miracles. There were not more miracles in the land, do you know what I'm saying? And through that discipline and that following of God, Caleb learned to love God. Sometimes I feel like, well, I can obey God, but how do I love God? Love is this weird thing to me. I never feel like I love enough or I feel enough love. I always feel like I don't know, maybe I should love things more than I do, or, I, I don't know, I just, I'm like, am I hitting, do I love God, do I love God? I don't, I don't know, do I, we sing that I love you God, but what is love, do, do you guys ever feel that way? It's kind of ethereal and it's kind of weird, and I think love is the fruit of relationship, of connection. I don't think we love and then that's how we feel connected. I think we get connected and that is the feeling of love. Does that make sense? And so Caleb grew his connections through obedience and trust, and now God is his everything. It's super cool. So, uh, loving other things, idolizing other things, it just creeps into our lives, doesn't it? It just creeps in. For me, last week, Kurt had us write things, right? And we brought them down to the stage and it was the thing, right? It was that thing that we just knew. If, if I could have this thing in my life, everything else would be better. And we brought it to the front of the stage. Mine was healing because I'm still dealing with some chronic illness stuff and I just really would like to be healed. And so quickly, you guys, so quickly, I love healing more than I love him. It's just very quick, it happens super quick. <laughs> usually triggered by pain, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, I sure would love to be miracle-healed, Father. Would you heal me? And I love it more than him. It just creeps in. The state of the land didn't affect Caleb. It just didn't. So this is what's holding us back from really trusting and obeying him. Um, It's called faith. And look at... If you were to describe faith, it's almost like describing love, right? How do you describe faith? It's believing in something. Like you sit on a chair and you think it'll hold you up, that's faith. Have you heard all the like images of what faith is? We've got a great one here in Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here is our working definition of faith. Faith is one, believe that he exists. There you go, that's the first step. Second step, that he rewards those who seek him. Basically, he's good. God is there and he's good. That is faith. And so Caleb, this man of faith, was like, well, if there's giants in the land, must be good. (laughs) Because God's good. I'm walking with him, I trust in him, so we're good. So this thing that's holding us back from truly being able to like obey and trust him fully, it really does come back to being two and having some shoes and holding them up and saying, let's go, let's go. Actually, uh, Matthew 18 says it really well. This is Jesus saying, learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. I think that's our call today, to become like children where we simply obey and we believe that he's good and the giants won't matter. Does that make sense? We've been for three months, two, (laughs) for two months learning about trusting and obeying God. And it just feels like layer by layer, God's healing us and healing us and, and moving us forward to trusting him more. And today's next step is go back to having faith like a child. And so, let's pray. Father, I want to acknowledge and recognize that I have seen your discipline as um, you not being loving. And I've been so wrong. God, I I'm sorry, I believe that your training is for my good and I say yes. And God, I have loved your promises more than I have loved you. And I don't wanna be like Israel, I wanna be like Caleb. I say and I choose to believe that you are good. And I take on your perspective, like Christy shared this morning. That Israel was in the valley saying that you were no good. And at the same time, there was that guy speaking blessings. God, that we would trust you. Give us the ability to have faith, Lord, beyond our natural ability. And call us wherever you want us to go. We just hold out our little shoes and say, I go to God. Reach forward and grab your communion. Jesus is the way we can do this. He is the one that gives us the strength to, If you struggle in this, don't do it on your own. You can't, you can't do it on your own. God loved you so much that he sent his son to save you, to set you free. And all we have to do is say, yes, I accept. And so this cup with the bread is a symbol of his body that was broken for us. So we don't have to be broken, even though we deserve it because we're the ones who mess up and Jesus is in our place. And so we take this bread and we say, thank you, Jesus, I accept your gift to me. And His blood was poured out to clean us from the things, the things that make us dirty, the things that make us unable to follow Him. And so we drink this cup as a symbol that we need help, don't we? Jesus, we drink this cup of your blood saying, Fill us with your power. Fill us with your ability to walk with you well. We drink. We're going to sing a song. And if you would, if it feels right to you, picture yourself holding out your little shoes and saying, I go to no complications, childlike faith. I'm not gonna let the giants worry me. I go too God, take me wherever you're going. I just wanna be with you. It doesn't matter where you're going, I just wanna be with you.